All right, well, let's get started. We're running a few minutes late, so we'll want to get started and kind of maximize our time. Um, so, um, if we could, I'd ask for um, Dan, would you open our time in prayer? And sure. Just pray that God would use not only our time together here, but um, our Easter Sunday morning service would. would uh, and all around the world, just that God would be glorified. All right. Okay, well, let's pray together. Lord God. What a, what a celebration and what a day it is. We celebrate Easter and, and we feel awed at, at the resurrection and that, that Jesus, that you are not there because you had risen. And that we celebrate today and we celebrate it all around the world and we celebrate it here. That this morning that you bring the people in that have to, to bring in and to hear the messages and to just be moved by the uh, Sunday school time, we, we lift it up to you and just lift up your accomplish what it needs to accomplish in our worship time today. We ask that you'd be with Don and the worship leaders and, and all of us that worship you and give you glorious time to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, <clears throat> we're on, uh, I'm going to start off on page uh, 10, but we have been um, involved in a study here um, around angels and uh, that's my eyes and not, but um, and this the study on angels has been um, just tremendous uh, from the standpoint of of uh, what um, been able to learn about just our adversary and his role and uh, what he's doing on planet Earth today, which is what I want to try to get through today and look at. Um, but uh, last time we got together um, in, in our study, we, we've been looking at uh, his origin, his pre-fall condition. We looked at his fall and God's response. We've looked at his sin in detail. <clears throat> and we spent some time looking at his role in condemnation in the fall of man. <coughs> and just the incredible consequences that have come out of um, kind of this... this um, uh, infusion of sin into the world, right? And so, what 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 is this? Uh, you know, what is this plan of the adversary that is um, absolutely uh, 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 been infused and it affected every part of of creation that we know of? And so, we t- we looked at the consequences. We looked at the consequences as it pertains to um, uh, guilt, alienation. Blaming, hiding, condemnation of of snakes, um, Satan, the woman, women, man, his very nature, work, physical death, all these different things that um, have just really um, since day one. And you know, it's it's really amazing to me, kind of think back about like like how the most precious thing that God created in his likeness that our, our adversary has um, put the bullseye, put the you know, crosshairs you know, on, on human beings. And why is that so, so important? It's because we are his, his, his beloved. Um, and so um, you know, how that kind of worked itself out in history, we, look, we looked at last time. And uh, um, 
we talked about how from this moment of Genesis 3.15 all the way through uh, history that um, there's these, um, this absolute, when you look back at it and you tie a golden thread together with the verses going horizontally in the scriptures, right? You absolutely see this incredible uh, uh, strategy by the adversary that is, that is being unbundled before our eyes. And I believe the scriptures give us absolute clarity about how this is all going to happen in the future. And so these these are the things we looked at. You know, since even last week I did some more studying and there's some, can't see it maybe as good as others, but there's red here. Maybe if you just want to write those in, but I'll, I'll just mention them really quickly, is this issue of uh, uh, when Cain kills Abel. Um, first of all, I said it was a mistaken identity by Satan. But also, I believe that that mistaken identity uh, ended up in the murder of the mistaken seed. So, I, I think, I believe that, you know, the adversary put it in the heart of Cain to kill Abel because he thought for sure that maybe Abel was um, the Lord, the one who, who was to come. And so, um, that, I, you know, I, I, I think that that's probably pretty clear there. Um, also, this one here about Genesis 12. In 20, the attempted rapes of Sarah to corrupt the seed. Um, you know, you don't think about that as you're reading through this, but when you look back and you tie these things together, you go, oh my goodness, you know. This is something that um, was happening um, all the way through here, along with Rebecca, Genesis 26, uh, and the attempted rapes of her. And then Genesis 27, Rebecca's uh, plan to cheat Esau out of his birthright right, and consequent uh, kind of war of Esau and Jacob down through history. And then the last one here, or last two here, is Exodus 1. Remember the murder of the male children in Israel to wipe out the seed? That was another, let's, let's kill them all, because if we can kill them all, you know, then they won't be able to continue on, right? And then also 1 Samuel, the attempted murder of David. At this point in time, as, as we saw from here, that the seed was going to come through the tribe of Judah, right? And the family of the seed is identified. And so this... Uh, this um, pursuit of David um, by his son and others, you know, was another attempt to say, whack, you know, if I can take that out, you know, this is, this is going to accomplish what I wanted to do. So just a couple comments, a couple things here. You know, when, you know uh, providentially, we, we, we looked at this last week, right, and we saw that, that this whole process coming all the way up to the resurrection of the seed, which we're here today to celebrate, you know, it was just so so providential to see how this master plan of, of the adversary and also the master plan of God had collided over time, and that we happened to study it on on the on the week leading up to the resurrection that we that we that we um, celebrate. And so today, you know, he's risen, and he's risen indeed. And so this is this is this is the power of. The cross. This is the power of the resurrection, is resurrected life. So we're going to talk more about that today in our time together. So, first of all, I want to um, look through his names. You know, I, look, I put up here um, seven names that we've looked at already as it pertains to kind of what, what our, uh, Satan was called um, before his fall. And uh, they are the star of the morning, the son of the dawn, Lucifer. Shining One, Light Bearer, The Anointed Cherub, uh, The Covering Cherub. And these are ones that um, certainly give us a perspective of how this created being of God um, was 
was so um, highly positioned above all other um, created beings uh, prior to his fall. Well, with that, I want to jump into looking at his names here, which tell us a significant amount about who he is. You know, the scriptures in Hebrew and, and, and others, you know, that a person's name um, brings with it an entire understanding of their character and who they are. Remember Jacob and this and that. You know, I mean, a person's name was, was meant to be a... Um, kind of a, you know, emblazoned across my forehead, you know, who I am, um, kind of a, a situation. So, um, I don't think it's um, unreasonable then to say, you know, if we were going to find out who our adversary is, let's look at his names, because his names will provide us an incredible backdrop to uh, who he really is, uh, from his character perspective. Okay? Fair enough? So, I'm going to jump around on here, because I'm going to walk you through chronological, uh, or, um, Scripture-wise, um, from front to back, um, and I wanted to do that so it made it a little bit easier for you. So the first one we're going to look at is Matthew four one. Turn with you, me to Matthew four one. I'm going to read these because I want to go through them relatively quickly, um, but I do want us to not miss what's going on here. So Matthew four verse one says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We looked at this last week, and we'll look at it again in a few weeks. But this issue of um, being tempted by the devil. The devil here, the name devil is slanderer. Um, It's also um, accuser. It's also um, a maligner, uh, a person who maligns others, if you would. Accuser, maligner, slanderer. Okay? Next one is here in Matthew 4.3. He says, um, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones become bread. So the tempter here. Tempter is one who solicits people to sin. A solicitor. A tempter. Or a temptress. You see the same kind of things happen. It's a solicitor. It's one who is going to go out to try to get something to happen with, with somebody else. Okay, A solicitor. All right, next is in Matt, is, is uh, Matthew 4.10. He says, Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Be gone, Satan. Satan here um, means adversary. You will probably hear me speak more about this name of who he is than most any other name. I believe it is um, one of the greatest uh, pictures of of, of who he is in our lives. Um, adversary. Adversary. Next one is in Matthew 12, 24. Matthew 12, 24. Um, here he says, But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This man casts out demons only by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. Only by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. So, Beelzebul, or as it came to be known as is Beelzebub, um, is Lord of the Fly, or Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies, or Lord of the Fly. The point here is that, and you see it right in the verse itself, right? He says, Beelzebul, what? The ruler of the demons. So his, 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 the, the very nature of Beelzebul, or Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies, is what it became known as, but right here in Scripture, 
the Lord Jesus Christ lays out through these Pharisees exactly what his nature is. He's the Lord of the demons. He's the one who rules over the demons, if you would. Okay. Uh, the next one is um, in Matthew thirteen twenty-eight. Matthew thirteen twenty-eight, and, and, and if you remember the this passage, what it was, remember the sower and the soils and the tares came amongst them. Well, it's interesting here that 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 the Lord um, speaks of the one who came and sowed tares and the one who took away the good seed as being quote. Um, uh, verse 28, being uh, an enemy has done this. An enemy has done this. So, this is one who is our enemy. He is our, he is our enemy. So, very similar to uh, Satan as an adversary, our enemy or our opponent, um, the one against which we're, we're, we're staged to, um, to, to be against. Okay. Um, the next one here is in John 8.44. John 8.44, actually we see this in two of them here. John 8.44. John 8.44 says, You are of the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie... He speaks of his own nature, or his own character, his own who he is. For he is a liar, and the father of lies. So the question here, I, you know, you ask yourself is, well, he's not called murderer, he's called a murderer. Or he's not called liar, he's called what? A liar. But if you look in the text, what's it's really saying? For murderer, he says, um, he was a murderer from the beginning. So, the point here is that his very character is such that um, when you look up murdering in, 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 in the dictionary, <laughs> you find Satan. <laughs> okay? I mean, that's the concept. Oh, okay. Okay, is you, you find Satan. He, m- murdering started because of Satan. That's the point. It, it wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Satan. All through the Bible. All through the Scripture, from Cain on... It's been infused in mankind because of because man wanted it? No. Because he is a murderer who influenced all from the very beginning. So he says to these people, he says, You are sons and daughters your 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 father. You're sons and daughters of a father who is the murderer. Follow me? Follow me? So he not only that, but not only physical death, but he he here's the here's the one that we miss. He's the leader of people to eternal death. The leader of people to eternal death. Follow me? Yeah. And he's able to do that. Come on up. I guess that, that, that goes to that, the one who's first, the horse of the cart type thing. Uh-huh. Because you know, so much scripture also talks about how our sin is because of our own evil desire. You know, you know how there's so much scripture exactly. that leaves out the whole Satan. Part. Absolutely. But when you go back to Genesis three, which I was just looking at yesterday, and you see this 
relationship between the sin and the serpent from the very beginning. Absolutely. You know, it's like, yes, you could still say it's because of your sinful desires, but where did those come from Absolutely. the tempter from the very beginning? Absolutely. And we're going we're gonna to talk in depth about the nature of temptation because, let me just say it really quickly, is that um, Satan, as we saw in the garden, uses our desires... Okay, the, the 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 natural bent of our souls without God to accomplish what He wants to accomplish. So, if He's a murderer, the first sons and daughters, first son was Cain, and He said to him, "Hey, you can have your own way," and and you know, Abel is you know your adversary, so go cut him down. Your parents love him more than they love you, and you see it right, boom, right out of the, right out of the get go. So, absolutely. So he's a leader of people to eternal death. Um, uh, interesting enough that uh, uh, demons and and the, and the and, and Satan, uh, if given uh, approval by God, uh, can can kill people too. Um, we see that in Scripture. So, uh, also he's a liar. He's the father of lies. He says here that he was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in truth uh, because there's no truth in him. That tells me that every word out of his mouth is a lie. Every word. Every... It's like, it's like, you know, you have a pure glass of water and you just put 0.001% of poison in it. That's Satan. It doesn't matter. Everything that he speaks is from that glass of water that has .001 or more poison in it. It can't speak truth. There's no way for truth to come out. And this is an important one for us to understand when we, when we think about interacting uh, in, 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 in uh, temptation and everything else is that, is that you know, the, the pursuit of that, those things, uh, the, the call is that it's going to somehow satisfy. It's going to somehow bring the fulfillment that you're looking for, the pleasure that you want, or whatever the case may be. And, and it's just an absolute lie. It always, 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 always ends in death. Always. Sin ends in death. Existential today, in my life, in your life, Eternal, physical, spiritual. It does. And so, can't miss that for a fact. Okay, next one is John 12.31. John 12.31 says, Now judgment is, is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world shall be cast out. So he's saying that there is coming a time when the ruler of this world, who is Satan is going to be um, cast out of being in the, in the rightful place that he has today as the ruler of this world. So he's called ruler of this world. He's called, it means that he's the ruler of this world's systems. All the systems that this world has. The, 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 the net, you think of this like incredible worldwide web. Well, there's this incredible worldwide web in the spiritual domain that Satan runs on planet Earth. It's completely networked all together. And he's done it, and he runs it today. But there's coming a day when he won't. Um, okay, next one is... Um, let's see, where am I? John seventeen fifteen. John seventeen fifteen. He says, 
Um, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. Keep them from the evil one. So, uh, this one here is that um, Satan is called the evil one. It, it's, it, it, what it means is that um, his very nature, the internal workings of who he is, is intrinsically evil. Intrinsically evil. He doesn't start from good and go evil. Because of the sin and the, and the state in which he is, he is evil. Period. There is no good in him. At all. It come, he's starting from, from, from a baseline called evil. Follow me? Okay. Intrinsically evil. Okay, the next one is 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. He says, uh, I'll go back to verse 3, 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In whose case, whose case is he talking about? Whose case is he talking about? Pardon me? Who is he talking about in verse 4? In this case. It's, it's on behalf of who? It's on behalf of those who are perishing. Okay, so on behalf of those who are perishing, the God of this world has, quote, blinded their minds of the unbelieving, that they might not see the light of the gospel of glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So, we'll come back to this verse a little bit later, but here in verse 4, he says, he calls Satan the God of this world. The God of this world. So, he is the one who controls the philosophies of this world. He is the one who architects all the things that have been raised up against who God is. So, take God in His high and lifted state and, and, and start to draw the threads of all the things that are lifted up against who He is and His rightful place and His character and His actions on planet Earth and in the universe. Every single thing that has not that, 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 that somehow pulls that down to a place that's not his rightful place of holiness and, and everything else is all architected and threaded behind the scenes by this adversary called Satan. He is the God of this world. Okay? Next one is 2 Corinthians 6.15. 2 Corinthians 6.15. Talking about our being bound together with unbelievers that are um, light with darkness and fellowship of that. Verse 15 says, What harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Has Christ with Belial? Belial or Belier? Belier is the, is, the, is the idea of worthless. What, what harmony does, does Christ have with the one who is worthless? Is the idea. So it's a speaking of his nature that there is nothing good that comes from him. He's completely, utterly uh, worthless um, as to who he is. Is it English word? Belial? Or Belial? No. It would be... It's transliteration. Yeah, it's probably Greek. Yeah. Okay. Next one is Ephesians 2.2. Ephesians 2.2. Ephesians 2, 2 says, 2, 1 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to, quote, the course of this world, according to the prince 
of the power of the air of the spirit that's now working in the sons of disobedience. So this prince of the power of the air, prince of the power of the air, is the one here who who, who speaks of his um, uh, demonic uh, control over non-believers. The air here that he's talking about in verse two is the the arena of Satan. The power of the air is is Satan. Satan's um, he's shaped the quote age we live in and all the lives that are in it. Uh, all of that is called the arena of Satan, so to speak. So think about the world. Think about an arena that you go to watch a game in, right? I mean, that's what's happening. Remember, we talked about in 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 the world today. The, the, the spiritual realm is looking in on this arena, and the adversaries on the on the on, on the on the uh, on the field, and and the arena is. Uh, or the prince of the power of air, or the power of the air. The air is this entire system that that circumfer- uh, goes around, if you would, um, this 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 war, this this thing that's happening on planet Earth. Okay, so it, um, he controls the philosophy of of the world. He's the god of this world. He's uh, prince of the power of air, control over non unbelievers. Okay. Uh, next one here is First uh, Peter five eight. Um, most of you are familiar with this verse, but uh, uh, it's important that we understand his nature. It says, "Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a warring, roaring lion, seeking to devour someone to devour." Okay, so um, our adversary um, is our opponent. Uh, he is, he's likened to um, uh, a roaring lion or a lion that is uh, d- wants to overcome believers in a way that would allow them to never be heard from again. Um, he's the, um, he's the uh, uh, enemy in a court of law. You think of an adversary as like when you go to... Let's say you've been wrongfully... Um, uh, charged with something, right? Um, and you go in, you have an advocate at your right hand who is pleading your case. Um, the picture here is that the one who's across the table, who's hurling insults at us, and even though they may be wrong, um, he's our opponent. He wants to tear us apart. He wants to rip us to shreds and do it in such a way that we'll never be heard from again. And this this issue was not going to come up ever again uh, uh, before the panel, which is you know uh, seeking to condemn us, if you would. So he, he'd like to condemn us completely. Okay. Next one is in Revelation. Last ones here are in Revelation chapter um, nine. Uh, Revelation chapter nine. Verse eleven. You're saying that's what's connotating the word there. Yeah, the opponent. Yeah. Uh, what would you call that person who's against us in the court of law? It'd be the not the pro- yeah the prosecution. He's the prosecution's. He's the head of the prosecution against us, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Romans nine eleven says, and they have a king over them, the angel of the abyss. Uh, his name is, in Hebrew is Abaddon or Abaddon, and in Greek he has the name Apollyon. Uh, so I put both 911 uh, Abaddon and Apollyon here. Abaddon uh, means destruction, destruction, 
Uh, Pollyon means destroyer. So very similar in 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 in, uh, in their um, what they mean. Um, this is the only two names here that I, I'm not sure of. I'm not sure if this is really safe. This very well could be kind of a strong demonic being who 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 would report to Satan. Some people would call him call that he would be Satan. I, I'm not sure. I'm just throwing that out to you. I don't know for sure. Ironic uh, verse. Pardon me? It's ironic the verse. Yeah. Um, so, uh, either way, uh, if it is Satan, um, he, it certainly ties in with his his character and his name, right? Uh, the, 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 our destroyer, the one who destroys, the one who um, is, is full of destruction, full of destruction. But uh, um, it may not be the case. Um, next one is uh, Revelation twelve three. Uh, Revelation 12.3 says, And another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his head were seven diadems. Uh, verse 7, great dragon, dragon is angels. Verse 9 says, the great dragon. Okay? So, now help me, I mean, that characterized picture of Satan as a great dragon with... Uh, Seven heads and ten horns, from a picture perspective, as opposed to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and and what's the difference between the two? No light. Time. Time. Yeah, time. So, so so don't 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 miss the picture that that when that that there's a never-ending spiral of of de- depravity that exists when sin exists. And it's going to go downward spiral. And it's actually going to affect how, how people look, how they act, how, who they are, everything about them. And, it, and in Satan's case, I mean, the demon's case, it has, it has so warped and corrupted their very who they are that it physiologically actually changes them. I mean, it blows me away. It's like, you can't win. <laughs> what about this don't you understand? And yet... You know this just deception and everything else causes hideousness, grossness. So how did the Old Testament people see? I mean, they saw Satan fall as an angel. How did how did they? How would you say they saw Satan? <coughs> um, prior to Christ. Prior, prior to Christ. I mean, I, I I think they understood that there was an adversary. Um, it's quite clear in the prophets about. Um, some of this uh, uh, warring that that's occurring that uh, between Michael and and others and how this all worked. I mean, Michael would have been the the angel of Israel, okay? And and it talks about the fact that there is this angel of Persia, Iran, you know, and this great inter spiritual conflict is is happening behind the ages. Um, it's 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 manifesting itself uh, throughout time. I mean, the whole you know interactions of Esau and Jacob and their lineage and all this stuff. I mean, this is they would have understood this to be you know an adversary behind the scenes um, that is against their souls. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think I think the scriptures in the New Testament bring us great clarity 
and, and progressive revelation around some of these things. But yeah. What would they have termed him? Um, well, the oldest book in the Bible, which we're going to get to today, you're going to see what they would understand him to be. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, next one is Revelation 12.9. He's called the serpent of old here. Serpent of old. He says, uh, uh, the great dragon, the serpent of old, who is called the devil or Satan. So, when it says the serpent of old, he's talking. I mean, that language goes where? Right back to the garden. So he's he's making he's making the connection in Revelation back to Genesis, last book, first book. <laughs> connect the two together. This is what this is the serpent from of old, the one from the garden. Remember? Same one. Same one. <laughs> wow. Okay. So he's the deceiver in Eden. In Eden. He's the one who who deceived in Eden. Uh, and the last one down here is Revelation twelve ten. Revelation twelve ten. He says. Um, uh, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them before God day and night. So he's called the accuser or the accuser of the brethren. The one who accuses uh, believers before the throne of God day and night. Day and night. All the time. All the time. Why do you think we need an advocate at, the God, at God's right hand? <laughs> is because these are not like small accusations. The fact that, that uh, we sin and that we are sinners, even though saved by grace, does not change the fact that, that, that if that weren't true, each one of us have a bazillion things to hang on us. And the spiritual realm knows that. They see that. And they can accuse because of that. Um, and he does. He does. So he, he opposes believers before God um, uh, there uh, completely. One last verse, I'll, I'll wait, give it to you. Yeah. Excuse me. Why does he do that? Just to... Why does he accuse the, the believers? Well, first of all, non-believers, he already knows he has them in his grip, right? We already yeah, saw that, right? Believers, on the other hand, why do you think he would be accusing them before God, the Father? Why? Yeah, because he said he would probably try to prove that they're un—they're not really believers, right? Right, and and not only that, but I mean, as we're going to see in Job, um, uh, he wants to take them out. He's a roaring lion. He he doesn't care about those other um, ones he has. He's already got them. Let them go. They're just going to go down the tubes with their own depravity. Just let them alone. They'll just. Go like this, okay? So, so put those aside. Where is all of his efforts going to be put on? It's going to be on neutralizing in some way all believers on planet Earth. So if that neutralization can occur, I don't care how it happens, some way, some shape, then, then now I've, I've put everything under my control, so to speak, on planet Earth. Peter calls him accusing the line, like he likes it. Right. But why would he, he get that idea from the very first thing? Because the word for desire in Genesis three fifteen is the next thing in Genesis mm-hmm. where he's sin is crouching yeah. like a lion in the grass looking to leap, yep. ready to leap and tear us apart. Yep. That's what the connotation comes from. I think he's saying because we're already believers, but, our eternity is secure. What does he yeah. care? I think what his question, the answer to his question, can be is that it's it's just 
you know, for those who are questioning whether it's Satan or not, is that, hey, this guy's there, he's been there. The thing is, he was in heaven, and he was kicked out, and he can't get back in, and therefore, he's jealous of anyone to the hilt. Well, think about what he wants, okay? What he, what he wants is worship, okay? So the important thing is to, uh, you know, you kind of, if you peel back Satan far enough, I mean, all he cares about is being worshipped. Um, all, the, all the things that we talked about in Isaiah and Ezekiel that he wants more than anything else, right? So all, everything that we're looking at through history and, and in the future is all about him believing that he can pull that off. So, so on the other hand... Who, Who's the most precious thing in the entire universe to God who he hates more than anything else? Believers. Human beings and then believers. Right? And his, and his beloved nation Israel. Now doesn't that start to give you an understanding of why all this stuff? Why the suffering? Why everything? It's not the people who hate. It's, it's the... It's the being behind all this you know, who is architecting it. What really is hard for me is God's so holy. How, how does he even find himself to talk to this? That's a good question, and uh, I don't know the answer. Oh, you know, I don't know the answer, but we're going to. Only gonna, God could. Yeah, I'm sure. You know. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's keep going here. Uh, I, I said Revelation 20 verse two. Um, I just wanted to show you how it all threads together at the end here. He says, and he laid hold of the dragon. So dragon number one, right? Number two, the serpent of old connects it back to um, uh, the garden, who is the devil, right? Who connects it up here to slanderer, right? Uh, who um, uh, uh, d- devil and Satan, who connects it back up to the adversary. So in one verse, at the very end here, we see four names that we've threaded before glued together to talk about this being um, the one who is the greatest adversary of our souls. Okay. Um, any questions or comments around that? So I, I want to answer some of these questions here, so I want to move on in our time to look at understanding our adversary, if you would. Okay, so we're going to look at uh, his current role and focus. And uh, um, turn with me to 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11. Um, if somebody's got that, please read it. We're also helping together in prayer for us that things may be given to many persons on our behalf that we get granted. Second? You got second or first? Philippians 2, excuse me. Oh, second. Did I say Philippians? Second Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2.11. Let's say you take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Okay. His devices, anybody got a different word there? Designs. Anybody got a different word? Schemes, okay. Device, device. You said devices. Devices, schemes. Um, The point here is that he says uh, Paul's talking about because he's just finished discussing. He's the the scripture here. um, You have to kind of go behind him a little bit and look behind it. But uh, but trust me, okay. Satan uh, Satan has had had just overreached into Paul's life. And he had made him make, make a wrong decision about uh, a call to him from the Macedonian man to go. And he was just basically depressed. And he basically had, was just kind of, woe is me in the situation. And, and so the, the adversary had overreached his life and had, had caused him to, to sin at the end of the day. 
to not follow and be obedient to what God's calling was at this time in his life. Um, and, and so he says, let me tell you from experience in so many words, don't let any advantage or overreachness uh, occur in your life um, by Satan. And he says, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. We're not, um, uh, we're not ignorant of the fact that Satan has a scheme for every one of our lives, is his point. He's not just talking about himself. He's talking about believers in general, too. He's saying that, that, that the schemes of the, the adversary are not just collective, but they're personal. And so, how is he involved in his role and focus today is that he has schemes for me. He has schemes for you. The schemes are strategies of war is the concept. They are the, they're the game plan for how Mark's going to go down. Now, but for the grace of God, but for the Spirit of God, but for my, my own personal life, allowing the Word of God to dwell in me richly, making right decisions, being, being fully baked in, in, in the Scriptures, and growing in Christ, and humble, and all those things are going to lead me to keep those schemes from happening in my life, and maybe in your life too. But this idea of the fact that Satan has schemes and the fact that I may wake up one day and find myself smack dab in the middle of something that I wasn't prepared for says there is scheming happening on my, my behalf as a believer in Christ. That's, it's huge to understand that. Um, he wants to neutralize me and us. But he knows he will never get your soul. You know, well, he, he, he believes he can. I mean that's the that's the incredible nature of, of of deception. All this he understands all this is written, huh? But he believes he can beat it. Mm-hmm. He does. He believes he can win. He wouldn't go after it if he didn't. So he thoroughly believes it. Okay. Um, he thoroughly he can trump God's sovereignty. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing he's doing, we read it already. Second Corinthians four four is that he's blinding the minds of the unbelieving. He's blinding the minds of the unbelieving. For what purpose? Why would he blind their minds? Why does he put a cover over it? It's that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So the amazing thing here is is that they would not be able to see